I want to walk you this morning, and we're going to go to Ezekiel eventually, Ezekiel chapter 3, but I want to walk you through the miracle of the Kuna Indians uh, of Panama. Now, those of you that were here when Randy Roden presented the short uh, uh, presentation a few months back, got to see just a little bit about what is happening there with the Kuna Indians. And uh, we, we have been partnered with Randy and Sherry Roden from Costa Rica for many, many years, probably almost 20 years as one of our missionaries. And they have a Bible college in Costa Rica, Baptist Bible College of, of uh, Santa, or, uh, whatever the name of the town is. I can't even think of the name of the town. But they have a Bible college there, and they train Costa Ricans uh, to, to become missionaries or preachers. And Danielle, who is going to be, Daniel Ortez, who's going to be pastoring the ministry across the street, is a graduate of that college. Plus, he has graduated from several colleges in the States now. And, uh, but uh, Freddie Centeno from uh, Costa Rica went to Panama City 16 years ago and founded a mission church. He was sent from one of Randy's mission churches in or one of his churches in uh, San Jose and went to Panama City and founded a new church. Five years ago, uh, Norman, uh, Norman, I'll just call him Norman, I can't think of his last name, uh, senior moment, I blame it on that all the time, but anyway, uh, Norman Ortez uh, went five years ago to help uh, the other ministry And he founded a new church in a community of 2,000 homes where it was primarily Kunas. They were meeting in a building about the size of a two-car garage, running 60-70. Brother Randy, two years ago, or in 2007, in the, I think it was August or September, sat down with Pastor Up Church and myself and shared his burden for the Kunas uh, and that, that new church. In a few months... We put together uh, a drive, a a fundraising, and raised money to buy a house on a piece of property in that community. And uh, the house was probably uh, uh, 14, 16 by 30 or 35 feet, and the lot was 24 by 125. So we bought that uh, piece of property, and we took two teams down two different weeks, and put up 19 rows of 3,200 blocks on a, on a starting a building. We built right around this home. That home was our oasis. It was only 105, 110 degrees while we were working. So that oasis was great because it's very primitive. I mean, we were mixing mortar uh, on, a, on a driveway, a no mixer, by hand. Everything was being uh, uh, done by hand. But eventually they put a roof on it. And we invested nearly $60,000 into that church here. They now have a self-supportive church running about 150. Uh, Souls are being saved. But in that ministry there, there was a a professor at one of the uh, colleges there in uh, Panama City. He was a Kuna. He was from the Kuna Islands. And are the Kuna jungles. He was actually from the jungles where the Kunas are. They're in the interior of Panama, and then they're on the chain of islands. And uh, through the preaching of the Word of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he was called to preach. His name is Matahingo. 
So uh, we went, and then in two years ago, uh, Brother Randy and Matahingo just had such a burden for his people in the jungles. And they went to the interior, walked many, many miles to go into little villages and preach the gospel. They saw scores of people except the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it continued to grow, and, and Brother Randy's got two strong works in Costa Rica, but his burden and his fire for the Kunas just continued to burn in his soul. And uh, so you have to understand, Panama has the Pacific and the Atlantic on both sides. It is, it, it, and on the Atlantic side uh, are the, the chain of islands. Uh, there are 40 inhabited islands up and down that coastline, and they're all primarily inhabited by Kunas. Uh, the Kunas then go into Panama City for work and for uh, uh, an opportunity to educate their children. And if they want college, they'll have to go there because uh, it's very primitive on these islands. So anyway, his vision broadened, whereas of last year, uh, we sent a medical team over to an island that had a bridge between the two islands, an island probably of 1,500, 1,800 people between them. This medical team, Dr. Spivey from Garner Medical Practice, a couple ER doctors, five or six nurses, a, uh, a dental uh, assistant went. Uh, our dental assistant, uh, she had never pulled any teeth, but she, got, she became experienced because we didn't have a dentist and there were people that needed teeth pulled. But anyway, that medical team went last July, there was 10 or 12 of them, and saw over 400 people accept Jesus Christ on these two islands. Now, for those folks, and they treated over 600, for them to be treated, they first heard the gospel. Manahigo, uh, Norman, uh, and uh, Randy all preached the gospel to these kunas before they ever got in to be treated. So many were saved through that, that uh, medical outreach. They're trying to put together another medical team right now that's going to go at the end of May, 1st of uh, June. If we have any doctors, nurses, uh, anyone that is interested in going to those islands uh, to do another medical trip, uh, please contact me at Midway and I'll, I'll put you in touch with the person in charge. But anyway, last year, Brother Randy had this vision for this January and February that he would set up 17 vacation Bible schools uh, on, uh, or, yeah, on 17 islands and work five weeks. So there were multiple teams going out. We were a part of one of the teams uh, the third week of January, his third week out. We had another group from Oklahoma that was there with us. We had people from Costa Rica, from his church that were there with us. He's had people from Guatemala that are a mission church that have sent their people to the Kuna Islands to minister with Brother Randy. They had, they had a group from Venezuela last week. So this whole vision of taking one man and opening his eyes and putting a burden on him has, has become a full-blown ministry. Now, you have to understand, the churches on these islands, back in the 70s, the Southern Baptists went in and they founded uh, pastors and churches on these islands. And so the buildings were there, but they left them sometime in the 80s. So there's a couple generations that uh, the, the, the older generation of people have heard the gospel through the missionary that founded these, these churches, but the younger generations have not. 
So we were privileged to go to uh, Tikantiki uh, to uh, uh, minister on that island with, with part of our group from Midway. There, was, there were eight of us. Let me, let me walk you to that island, and I have six minutes that I'll walk you through something that happened on the island, some things that happened. But we boarded the, the big plane here in Raleigh, flew to Miami, or flew to Atlanta, and on to Panama City. Then in Panama City, we got on a prop plane and flew 45 minutes across the interior of Panama, up along the coast, uh, nearing Colombia, just a little bit south of Colombia. And uh, we then landed on a little runway, I mean a very small runway. Of course, this was a prop plane, holds about 15, 18. And while we were flying at, at uh, cruising speed, the co-pilot's window came open. So it was an interesting flight, to say the least, before we even got to the island. But then at the, uh, at the water, we had two holdout canoes. We could see our island across the way. We were fortunate. Our island was <clears throat> only about five minutes away where some of the teams had to ride in the canoes for 45 minutes. Because in the canoe, you could watch the water coming up out of the floor. That's why they had little pails in there. You could pay, you know, if you wanted to get there, you uh, kept the water, kept as much out as you could possibly do. So that is what we were faced with going over to the island. We saw in a distance as we approached the island, many ladies. Now, Kunas, and you'll see some of the ladies this morning, they, they are in full dress all of the time. The ladies wear a, uh, a wrap around their arms and around their legs so their legs and arms stay small. I mean, they, they, these are tight wraps. They're little people, probably five feet high, and uh, we must look like the jolly green giant to them. Uh, but um, uh, we saw at a distance many boys and girls, young children, waiting for us on the shoreline. We approached the shoreline, one canoe with our baggage, and what we had accumulated, we can take two suitcases when you're going international, 50 pounds in each one. Our extra suitcase was filled with candy and gifts for, for the children in the VBSs. And uh, uh, we, we thank the Lord. Uh, many of our drugstores in the area, we probably had 200 pounds of leftover candy canes from Christmas. These kids had never seen candy canes, but they knew what they were by the end of our week. Uh, but um, as we approached, we, we tried to take our luggage, but we couldn't even take it. They, they, they wanted to carry it for us. These little, two little, I mean, little kids carrying 50-pound suitcases, one on one end, one on the other. Uh, they, they wouldn't allow us to help. But they had so much love, you could just sense the excitement that we were there. And uh, very primitive island, uh, 832 on this island that we were on. And uh, part of our team had gone to an adjoining island. Uh, which was a little more modern than ours. Ours was very primitive. Uh, we slept in hammocks in a, in a block building that had been built by the uh, church. They had a little generator that ran a few hours at night to give us lights in the building. Uh, your bathroom facilities, there was a pier that went out over the ocean. Uh, uh, some of those you remember going into behind the house. Well, that's what we went into. We had a little window there. We could watch the canoes go by. We had a hole in the floor. We could watch the swim, the fish swim by. And uh, we had a, a barrel in there to bathe with. That was, that was our, uh, our restroom accommodations. Uh, very primitive when it comes to food. We ate what they set at our tables. Uh, 
they had a lot of rice, fish, spam. You know, they, they <laughs> uh, spam's every place. Uh, but um, they they have boats that come in from from Colombia, and the ladies sew. You'll see. Uh, in the picture, the dress that they wear, they, they sell those mulas and those uh, dresses uh, to buy items to live with. There was a, a very little primitive store on the island. It didn't have hardly anything in it until the end of the week, and then they evidently gotten some supplies in. So this is the miracle of the Kunas. You can be a part of that miracle, too. Brother Randy Roden is desiring uh, help to do even a greater work. And I pray that maybe in the months, years ahead, you'll be able to take him on as a missionary likewise. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 3. Stand with me, if you will. Let's read verse 15. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 15. I don't see a a clock in here, preacher, so I guess I just go until I finish. Amen? Then I came to them in the captivity of Telebib, that dwelt by the river of Chebar. And I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. Let's pray. Lord, again today we come to you, Lord. It's not about me, it's not about us, but it's about you. And I pray, Lord, that you'll allow liberty as we talk about you today. And we talk about what you can do if we'll have a a mind to do it and and a heart to work. And I do pray, God, that you'll, again, continue to bless Benson Grove. Lord, you've been so good to him. You've given him such a beautiful facility. And, and Lord, I know you've opened the windows of heaven and poured out a blessing upon them. But I pray that we'll all realize that we can become satisfied with our blessings and lose sight of the opportunities that are out there. And I do pray, God, that you'll allow the Spirit of God liberty to speak to our hearts today. Just pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You can be seated. I sat where they sat. Now you have to understand, Ezekiel was walking by the river. He saw this group of people. And he went over and he joined himself with this group. And he stayed there for seven days. And what did it say? He remained there astonished. Astonished. Something happened to Ezekiel on that, and if we were to go over further into the chapter, we would see that God called Ezekiel to be a watchman. And that's exactly what God calls all of us to be today. Now, I pray today that you'll not look at me, but you'll look at my heart today. My heart today is about being where they were. I sat where the Kunas sat. I saw something that literally transformed my life. This message was preached by Dr. Bob Hughes back at my former church back in the 70s when I worked with Dr. Rawlings at Landmark Baptist Temple. Dr. Bob Hughes came in on a Sunday night and preached this message. I sat where they sat. Now, I'm not preaching his message. Don't get your hopes up. But during that invitation, I surrendered to preach. I was working at the church, but I'd never surrendered to preach. Dr. Hughes talked about going into the islands of the Philippines. Dr. Hughes talked about the natives in those islands and how he taught them 
the importance of learning how to tithe and to give above the tithe. He gave them a basket. And in that basket, he said, if you have 10 chickens, one of those chickens belongs to the Lord. If you have 10 eggs, one of those eggs belongs to the Lord. And he taught them the, the, the lesson of tithing. And if we, don't, if we don't learn that lesson, we'll never see the promises of God unfold in our lives. Because you cannot outgive God... And if you learn that it, you'll get much more by your 90% than your 100%. But he didn't stop there. He put a second basket out there. And he called that the blessing basket. If they'd learned that the tithe was the Lord's, and they would give... Now, these, they didn't have anything. I mean, when his, his church services on Sunday morning, they might bring a goose in. That was her tithe. She had 10 of them. One of them was the Lord's. They might bring some chickens in, some eggs in. But they learned the promises of God. And folks, it's so easy for us to get away from the promises of God. And, and as, as I saw the simple faith, and I want to talk to you just a little bit about as I sat where they sat there on the island. I saw a faith that I've not seen back here. I saw a faith that wasn't hindered by this or that, or had conditions to it. I saw a faith that, that, uh, that allowed them just to believe. You know, we sometimes try to add so much to God's grace, don't we? I've been teaching the book of Galatians on uh, Wednesday evenings. And we're free, folks. If you've been washed in the blood of Jesus today, you're free. You're set free by the power of the grace of God. And it's, uh, uh, I saw in their eyes such a simple faith, such a simple belief, such a simple love, such a simple gratitude, such a simple obedience. As I sat where they sat, I, I, I saw their eyes of affection and thanksgiving. I saw them as they uh, responded to God's amazing love. As he listened to the preaching of the Word of God. You know, you have a powerful preacher. You have a powerful church. But you can become lukewarm in the pew, folks, if you're not careful. You can become where you hear it and you believe it, but you don't respond to it. God's people have the greatest opportunity, I believe, we've ever had in any lifetime that we have today. And as I saw their simple faith there on that island... My heart was stirred. Oh, God. You know, and, and they had no Bibles. We had a Gideon with us, and I'm praying that the Gideons can get New Testaments to the island. One of our goals at Midway uh, by next October is to raise enough money to ship 100 cases of Bibles in Spanish to these islands. Uh, the Word of God, we, we've got three and four Bibles sitting around the house, most of them collecting dust, and they're begging for of the, a Bible. They tear out pages if a Bible is there just so they have a little of God's Word. Oh, folks, we sat where they sat. We ate what they ate. We lived the way they lived. On Friday night, they didn't have any food for us. They felt bad. We didn't. I mean, we, we knew to carry you know, snacks and bars with, I mean, we had enough food to, 
to survive a month. You can tell we didn't go hungry. Uh, but they felt bad because they couldn't feed us. But, you know, that night, they, the fishermen came in, and guess what they had caught? Lobster. Guess what we ate the next day? Lobster. Uh, and then the, their food came onto the island, and they had eggs again and spam again. And, uh, uh, but you have, to, you have to come to the place in your life and realize that there's a job to be done. And, and we were so privileged to be a part of that ministry, to, to experience what they experienced. Uh, we, we, you know, you take so much for granted, the running water, the, the opportunities that we have back here. But I sat where they sat. I saw them respond to Jesus Christ. You know, some of you today may need to respond to Jesus Christ, first of all. You may be here today and you pillowed your head last night, and you're not for sure, 100% for sure, that heaven's your home. I challenge you today. uh, We're talking about faith promise missions, but if you're not saved, you'll never understand faith promise or anything else until you become one of God's children. Uh, You and I today, though, have an opportunity to lock arms with our missionaries around the world. And uh, we have our missions revival coming in in just a few weeks. And one of our missionaries from Kenya, Lance Patterson, will be with us. One of our missionaries from Costa Rica, the Sallies, will be with us, doing a great work. A new missionary that we don't support in in, uh, Guatemala will be with us. Uh, Brother Danielle, our home missions, will be one of our missionaries. And then we have the Campbell family going to Wales that will be with us. Our theme is God's GPS, God's positioning system, reaching the world. Uh, You and I tonight or today have such an opportunity by simple faith to put our trust into I sat where they sat. But you know, that commission that you and I have about the outermost is what pastor's talking about faith promise. You'll only be able to help as many of you that commit to this pledge. I've been giving to faith promise ever since 1981. Uh, I I wasn't taught faith promise growing or ministering in Landmark because Landmark gave their mission money to support Baptist Bible Fellowship's all the missionaries that they had, several hundred at that time, six, seven hundred missionaries out of Springfield, Missouri, they all had expenses, uh, that their insurance and all these uh, other expenses. So we took that on as our missions project to take care of the incidentals, where if your church sent money in, it went directly to that missionary. But in 1981, when I founded Capital, I started tithing to missions. Because we were a baby church. We had 17 our first service. And, but as we grew, I, my first missionary in was from Kenya. Came, he came in three weeks later. We started the church. And we, gave, we took him on for support. Uh, and our people learned faith promise. I learned faith promise. You'll never outgive God. You'll never get a hold of, of the power of God until you learn uh, the giving source of God. Uh, we, we are going to challenge our people at Midway uh, in a few weeks about not only the outermost, but about our Jerusalem, about our Judea, about our Samaria. You know, your Jerusalem is right across the street. How many of you were baptized in that building over there? Anybody in here? 
Wow. How many of you walked the aisle and got saved in that building across the way? How many of you have loved ones buried in that cemetery over there? Folks, that's your Jerusalem. Your heart. How many of you have been at that old-fashioned altar in that building over there and prayed that God would someday give you a, a building like you have here? You know, some years ago, a man of God preached the gospel, probably had the front doors open. They didn't have air conditioning back when that was built in the summer months. And, and preached and believed God was going to fill it. But because of that Jerusalem, you have the facilities you have today. Because a price was paid. You sat where the Spanish are going to sit in a few weeks. Let me challenge you. I was through the building a couple weeks ago. That's your Jerusalem. Oh, we're, we're leasing it from you for a dollar. And we thank you. You charge us too much, but we thank you. <laughs> but that's your Jerusalem. That's your piece of property. And you know, they've, they put up new sheetrock in the basement. All the mold's gone. But it still needs some paint on it. You say, well, I thought the Spanish were supposed to take care of it. They will. But if that were my Jerusalem, I'd walk up to Danielle tonight. Is there anything I can help you with, Danielle? That's where I got saved. That's where I got baptized. They're going to have to paint the exterior get you some white paint or whatever kind of paint they're going to use, get on the back side of the fellowship hall down there and paint the back wall if you don't want to be out front. I mean, there's with their pulling wire this week or last week in the auditorium. I mean, they, they've stripped it to the rafters and running new wiring in there. Uh, and uh, it's, going to be some, it's going to be a place you're going to be proud of. But I would go up to Danielle, if that were my Jerusalem, and say, is there anything I can help you with? Anything I can do for you over there? Uh, they put in new countertops in the kitchen. They're going to put in new granite. I mean, it's, it's going to be a showcase. Uh, uh, but that's your Jerusalem. Just like Midway's Jerusalem is the uh, House of Hope in uh, Clayton. That's one of our mission projects. Pregnancy Center in, in uh, Fuquay. This is going to be our Jerusalem. You and I have an opportunity today as, as born-again believers to reach not only the outermost, but our Jerusalem. Last Sunday, we had two visitors from Andrew come to church. On Sunday afternoons, I do In Touch. In Touch is our outreach ministry that follows up on the visitors from Sunday morning. Our officers go out and deliver another package into the home on Sunday afternoon. I touch them by phone. I called up uh, Ronald Bird, who came, and some of you may know him in Anger. Uh, his uh, daughter, uh, Jennifer Bird, came, 24 years old, found out that Jennifer has an inoperable tumor. She was in now the hospital last year, has a year to live. And I got to talking to him on the phone, and I said, and he, he relayed back to me, we need to get saved. I said, yeah, that's a good place to start, Amen. That's where we all need to start, amen? If you're not saved here today, you need to get saved. Uh, so I said, well, and he's a tile man, and, and those of you that are in construction know it's really a busy time for you. Uh, you just can't, the phone's ringing off the hook. 
but he was going to be home Monday afternoon. I said, well, Ronald, let me, and I talked to Susan, come over to the home Monday afternoon. And uh, on his card, he filled out that they have four grandchildren in the home, a set of twins, 18 months, three-year-old, and a four-and-a-half-year-old. So I, I brought my reinforcements. I brought Yvonne with me, uh, and I said, uh, we're going to go to the home. We went in. Or we, did, we, we pulled up, and there's about six or seven cars in the driveway. I didn't know what was going on, if they were having an Amway party in there or what. But uh, Jennifer was outside, and I thought, we need to talk to Jennifer before we get inside, because I don't know what we're dealing with inside. So we had the privilege of leading Jennifer to Christ right there in the driveway. Walked in the door. Susan, Ronald's wife, uh, was sitting at the table. Uh, another young lady that lives in the home, uh, uh, 22 years old, was at the table. Uh, Ronald was in a side room with one of the twins feeding. And then another young man was in another side room who works with Ronald when they have work. He's 28. So we walked in there. I went into Ronald. Yvonne sat down with Susan uh, and this other young lady. All of them accepted Jesus Christ. Then the young man that was in the room heard the conversation Yvonne had with both of these ladies. He came up and he accepted Christ. Then we, they, they said, well, our son will be home from high school. He's a senior at three. It was about two. I said, and I, started, I was trying to do some discipling. And, and I said, well, what about Bibles? Do you have a Bible? They didn't have any Bibles. I said, well, we'll get some Bibles. We'll bring them back. And we'll talk to your son tonight. We're talking about Jerusalem. We went back. His son was there, Ronald Jr. I went in. Polite young man. Yes, sir. No, sir. And he led Ronald Jr. to the Lord. Bobby, Ronald's brother, was sitting at the table. Yvonne led Bobby to the Lord. We were ready to put a sign out on the, the road there. Behind First Baptist, Jesus saves. Come on to this house. Amen. I baptized Ronald and Jennifer this morning. Uh, there's sickness in the home, and we were supposed to have four of them there today. But that's, that's a New Testament Lydia story, if, if I was ever involved with one. You and I have an opportunity, folks. These folks are two blocks away from a Baptist church. Anybody could have walked up to their door and told them about Jesus Christ, and I believe they'd have gotten saved. No man careth. I wonder who it is in your street. I wonder who it is in your family. You know, sometimes, folks, we need to just get off of our comfort zone and realize we've got a job to do. We need to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, years ago, I used to go back and forth, uh, up and down in front of a store from, from the, the building I was working out of, one of the satellite ministries. And one, uh, one Saturday, one of my, one of my witnessing partners we just started, because we went up and down this street, a business street. I mean, we went up and down it every day. We walked in there and said, sir, I want to apologize to you. He said, what do you mean you want to apologize to me? I said, I'm sorry. I really am. I apologize to you. 
We've been walking by your store for months, and I've never once come in and told you how to get to heaven. Maybe you got somebody in your family that for years you've been concerned about them, but have you really taken time to talk to them about it? Folks, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. You've got to get where they're at. This is your Jerusalem across the street. Now, where's your Judea? We've got some lumpy Indians in our church. And I've been down to two different funerals from this family in the last year in this little town, this side of Lumberton. I can't think of the name of it. And, and the homes in this town are so run down. So our Judea is going to be one day this summer, we're going to take a group to this town and help this family's sister rehab their house. You've got some Judeas around you as a church. You've got some people you can touch and you can help. Our Samaria is going to be, we have two preacher boys that have come out of Midway. One's in Canton, Georgia. One's in Albany, New York. We're going to take a weekend and go, and that will be our Samaria project. Outermost, you want to be a part of the Kuna miracle? You want to, you want to get a, I mean, if, and, and, Believe me, that type of missions is not for everyone. If you're not flexible and adjustable and can't give and take, you don't want to go to a primitive island like that. We witnessed that, where the comfort was out of their comfort zone. But God loves them. Jesus died for them. And He is the way, the truth, and the life. And folks, today we have an opportunity... Uh, to reach out and touch someone for Jesus Christ. That opportunity could be through the Kunas and through Faith Promise. That opportunity could be your neighbor. That opportunity could be across the street. God help us to realize and get a burden and a compassion for those around us that need Jesus Christ, folks. This, this thing of heaven and hell isn't some figment of our imagination. This is a real thing. People are dying today and they're either going to heaven or hell. Preacher had a service in Anger. I had led this man to the Lord in the hospital and I had to, to go over to Brithaven in Smithfield because one of our, they're not a part of our church, but one of our families, uh, Rudy, uh, is dying of cancer. And I mean, the, the angels are flapping their wings in his room. I mean, hospice is there. They called him in last night at one and said he's ready to die, but his brother-in-law is coming back from Florida. And he's stabilized, and the hospice person says, who's he waiting for? He's waiting for Bill to come back. But the preacher was over here in Anger at the funeral home, preaching this funeral. And, and he preached... Uh, a salvation message. And these people looked at him like he was standing at a... at a, uh, an, It was alien to him. And he said people came up to him afterwards and said, I've never heard anything like that. And they were out of the Baptist church. Folks, you and I today have an opportunity. You and I today have an opportunity to sit where they sat. You and I have an opportunity to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. These Kuna Indians transformed my heart. I've taken so much for granted in this life. 
You and I have so much here that we take for granted. May God help us all to unite together and realize that He is the way, the truth, and the life. In closing, try to image this in your your mind. A canvas. A canvas of the world with paintings of wide brushes, small brushes, messy painting. I mean, but all over this canvas is of the world. And people are painting on this canvas. You know who the painters are? You, me, and our missionaries around the world. They are doing it for God's glory. Paul says over in Ephesians uh, about this uh, manifold wisdom of God. He says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. God wants you and me today to be working in His fields. I challenge you today. I challenge you, if, if God is speaking to you about doing something, then don't sit back and wait for you know, God to have to do something in your life to get your attention. If God is speaking to your heart, uh, and you've heard the preaching of the gospel week after week, and you've sat back there and you've said, well, I'm going to get saved. You don't have a guarantee that you'll live to tonight, folks. You and I are living just one heartbeat away from heaven if we're saved. If you're not saved this morning, then you're going to miss heaven. You can make excuses. You say, well, I'll I'll get it taken care of. But you're one heartbeat away from going out into eternity. If you have not Jesus, you're going to miss heaven. My challenge to you today, if you're not saved, that today might be the day of your salvation. Also, Maybe God has spoken to you through this Missions Emphasis Month and you realize that, you know, I need to be doing something for God. God has spoken to my heart. God has touched my life. I need to to give my all to the Lord Jesus Christ. It may be on a foreign field. God may be speaking to somebody in here today about going to a foreign field. Age is not a factor. The Campbells that are coming in going to Wales have a a boy, and they're on deputation. They're just raising their support. He was an engineer, and God tugged at his heart and spoke to his heart and called him into the the ministry of of Wales, and they have three children. One's in college, another in high school, one in junior high. Age is not a factor if God's in it, amen? God can use anybody in here at any age. But my challenge to you today, if, if you have a small voice speaking in your heart about a need that you need to get squared away, that's what an old-fashioned altar is all about. If you need to come and be saved, somebody will take you through the Word of God and show you how to be saved. If you need to come and present yourself for a believer's baptism, you come. If you need to come... And say, okay, Lord, here am I. Use me. Let the pastor counsel you where you need to be used. But I challenge you, folks. God's got a Jerusalem right across the street. Many of you have poured your heart and 
soul into that building. Be a part of it. Just don't let Danielle and the church over there go on. You're a part of that. Your labors in the past, you've sat in that pews over there. You know what it is in that building. And join in them. Lock arms with them. Say, Danielle, I'm here to help you any way I can. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God knows your heart today. God knows everything about you today. God knows whether you're ready to meet Him, whether your name's been recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. 